You're listening to The Whole Church Podcast. Our efforts to unite and educate the church are made possible thanks to our supporters on Patreon. Please consider joining them for $3 a month at patreon.com forward slash The Whole Church Podcast. The verse we're kind of using for all this is Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, um, which states, He gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith. Father Jonathan, how can these church offices build the body to attain unity, like it says in that verse? I think that the, the, the challenge there we have is 2,000 years of, of history that divides us. Yeah. Um, language separating us. I mean, and when you go back to historical schisms within the, 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 the one church in the early centuries of Christianity, uh, we're, we're finding 20, you know, like 16 centuries later mm-hmm. that the Monophysite heretics, that the, the, the Orthodox, not Orthodox Christians, like Orthodox denomination, but Orthodox Christians, those who had held to Orthodoxy, the, the one church that held to Orthodoxy, were just using different words to say the same thing for in most instances. And now we're, we have 1600 years of separation from them. Now we do have a lot of similarities and stuff like that. We are communicating now. Um, but the same thing happened with the Latin West and the Greek East. Um, it, language became a barrier. Uh, political issues became a, a barrier to unity. Um, later on, um, you know, with the with the Protestant Revolution, uh, Protestant Reformation, and the Counter Reformation, and, and all of the strife and bloodshed and awfulness that divided the the Church in the West. Um, uh, we just find that history and human, the, the fallen human condition is what keeps us separated. And anything that separates us is of the devil because the devil is the divider. Diabolos means the, to be diabolical, is to be divided. He's the divider. Uh, and he's the adversary. He's the, the Satan is the adversary. And I mean, whether or not we believe in a, you know, a, a spiritual being that is, you know, the embodiment of evil or not, uh, certainly we can understand how diabolical it is, the dividing it is to uh, to have these disunities. Because the, the kingdom of heaven is ultimately ultimately a kingdom of unity and communion, um, and so we are striving for that. But our own limitations, our own tendencies, to kind of want to see things our own way to strive for power and authority can keep us separated now there are theological differences that that separate us and some of those are, are more than just you know cursory some of them are they're very significant and we have to be mindful that there is a reason why we're divided theologically um because we think you know certain certain things to be if certain things are true you know um ultimately true if, if someone does not believe them then they're not within the the sphere of of, of right faith um and you know even the apostles talked about you know correcting someone if, if you preach if someone's preaching a gospel different than the one that i preach to you um uh you know you have to be mindful of that so um so uh, what we can do for unity is i think uh, step out of our own comfort zone and, and and see the person across from us as brother or sister and start from that reality first rather than the things that divide us. And then as we grow in relationship and have a real relationship, then we can actually talk about those things that might be keeping us divided, whether it's theological or institutionally or, or something like that. Now, I, I think that we can have a degree of unity without having full communion. Um, I think the ecumenical movement has shown that, um, but uh, you know, I hope that unity comes before the kingdom of heaven, um, <laughs> so that we yeah. can all meet him together as a unified body. But you know, if it takes the kingdom coming and all you know, all things being revealed, for us to finally have unity, I mean, we should strive for it nonetheless, even if we don't expect it to happen in our in our lifetime. Uh, and I think that you know this podcast is a testimony. Of this you get people of all different backgrounds coming together, sometimes at the same time, sometimes at separate times. But you know we're at each other's table, um, we're face to face with one another. We're offering ourselves in love, 
and uh, and my, there can't be unity without love. And so, um, uh, so we have to have a relationship in order for us to to even think about having a degree of unity or or, or communion eventually. You know, if that's what you know God allows. Hey everybody, welcome to the Whole Church Podcast. Today I bring you the greatest co-host of all time, TJ Tiberius Juan Blackwell. Welcome hello, to the show. Hello, thank you. It's good to be here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, he'll be joined by a lesser co-host, uh, Joshua Knoll or something, which is me. Yeah, yeah, I'm still here. Sorry, guys. But today we do have a fascinating episode. We're continuing our church office series. This is part six of eight Get near the end of this. Today, we're talking about the office of the elder, whether it exists, whether elder is just another word for priest or bishop, or uh, honestly, there's a ton of confusion, and we're happy to dig into it. This will also be one of the shorter episodes. So confusing in short, fasten your seatbelts, get ready. It's going to be a fascinating one. Um, But before we get into anything else, I want to give a big shout out to Pastor Tim Register for calling me telling me that he likes this format he's really enjoying the office series and he was just had a lot of really kind words and man we really appreciate it appreciate you taking time out of your day to tell us that you like what we're doing and um hopefully we can keep some of this format stuff going on um and further episodes and kind of keep the momentum of this so thank you for your words we appreciate it pastor tim right and we wanted to give a special shout out to our patrons uh, Austin, Russell, Sandra, Lily, Jeannie, Aaron, Justin, Frida, Taryn, and Dawn. Yeah. And before anything else, as always, uh, when we do this kind of thing, we have to mention that not everyone represented in this episode are willing to work together in perfect unity, share church service, or anything like that. Uh, you know, just because two people are on here does not mean they fully endorse one another's positions on things. They don't, but they were willing to work together with us on this and we're incredibly thankful for that and that being said uh tj's got a head start on me with the silliness he has a napkin on his head prepared for the silly question it's a dryer sheet oh okay and you know we always start with a silly question because silliness is my favorite form of unity and for this series you were required to watch the barnyard movie and possibly the television show to answer these questions this week we're asking which animal from the barnyard at the church of the barnyard would be the best elder? Assuming that the church of the barnyard has the office of elder. Right. Well, Uh, TJ, you want to go ahead? I think what we're running into here is the fact that uh, a lot of the characters in the barnyard seem like they may not be suited for an office in the church, or at least not as well suited as some of the others. Uh, with that being said, for the office of the elder, I decided to go with Pip the Mouse. And Why? I will not elaborate. Mm, what if I said please? I can't. Hmm. <laughs> all right. All right. For me, I'll be controversial. Bessie the Cow. Yeah, th- that's the elder I'm going with. Um, the only elaboration I'm willing to offer you guys is just I feel like she's definitely the kind of person who would give her opinion. Yeah, yeah, she does. <laughs> that's all I got, guys. I, I, I'm struggling with this one. Before getting into this episode, let's talk about why we don't just mean old person when we say elder. Yeah, do you do? Why don't we? Yeah, um, the word can mean both. Um, and the purpose of church, you're talking about the office. Um, the way that that comes about is basically the English. This is not actually a translation error. This isn't a Greek error. This is a when we translated it to English, this made sense. And a certain type of English just doesn't really exist anymore but it was carried on into the church offices, which is confusing. At one point, when we translated the Bible into English, elder could mean old person or office or a number of other things. It meant like a predecessor, someone that came before. So an elder is someone who came before as in they're wiser 
and the ways of how the church should be led could be came before in the sense that they were here before all of us. That's why they're old. Elder could just mean a bunch of different things in that way. Um, common English today, we just use elder to mean old person. So just kind of something that I wouldn't see was lost in translation originally, but it's been lost as English has progressed, if that makes sense. Did I explain mm -hmm. that well? Yeah. In the clips coming up, we ask our guests how they would define an elder, uh, what an elder does at their church, and how they relate to elders of other traditions. Uh, you will hear clips from Professor Chris Moreland, who is a religion professor at the University of North Carolina at Wilmington, Father Jonathan Resmini, a priest at the Holy Trinity Orthodox Church in Charlotte, North Carolina, Joe Day, a leader of a home church and host of the Buddy Walk with Jesus podcast, Pastor Will Rose of the Holy Trinity Lutheran Church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, Pastor Gary Adkins of Harvest Ministries Church of God Prophecy, a Pentecostal tradition in Rock Hill, South Carolina, Reverend Keno Kennedy of the AME Zion Union Bethel Church in Cornelius, North Carolina, and Reverend Kelly O'Sullivan, a minister of the Anglican Church. There was a lot of variety in how our guests defined the role of elder. Uh, here are a few clips of what our guests had to say about what an elder is. First, we asked Dr. Russell Moore how he would define an elder. Is there a hierarchical system in your church? There's not a hierarchical system outside of the uh, outside of the church. Within the church, there is a, um, a a great deal of authority that is given to the elders of the congregation. Uh, so it's an it's an elder governed uh, congregation. This is Joe Day of the Home Church and host of Buddy Walk with Jesus. Right. Uh, so, Joe Day, how would you define an elder? A leader, um, an elder statesman, if you will. Somebody that is tasked with the vision of the overall church, as well as caring for the other elders and the pastors and the deacons. You know, yes, they, they are also part of the larger church body and do interact with the larger church body and have responsibilities to care for the larger church body in a similar way that pastors are called to care for these people. But being a pastor, being a leader, being a it can be a very lonely gig because so much of your time is spent pouring into other people. That's why we see burnout in the way that we do. And that burnout that we see, um, I think there's a lot of adjacent things that can be a lot of adjacent holes that can be filled by the plurality of elders insofar as, you know, being able to help keep the wheels on the track you know, make sure that the eye is on the prize and keep each other accountable and all of those kinds of things, but also pour into the heart of the people that are. This is Kelly O'Sullivan of the Anglican tradition. Kelly, how would you define an elder? So an elder, um, I actually prefer the term presbyter, um, which is what we would translate into elder. Um, but it's where we get the name Presbyterian, and it's also where we get the word priest. The word priest actually did in the Old Testament. It was a corruption of the word presbyter. Um, and so uh, it's not, in my opinion, an elder is not just an old person. That's kind of what our language would, would uh, that we use today would kind of indicate. But a, a presbyter is, a, um, is someone who has been ordained by a bishop, um, for uh, a ministry within the church. They've been given and granted authority to teach the scriptures, to preach, um, to help govern an, um, a local church, and to administer sacraments like the Lord's Supper um, and bap baptism and a number of other things. Uh, as an Anglican, 
only someone who's ordained presbyter uh, is allowed to do the Lord's Supper. Um, anyone could technically baptize be, uh, someone who has that church office. Um, so that would be my view of a presbyter or an elder. We asked Reverend Kino Kennedy of the AME Zion Church the same thing. So, Reverend Kino Kennedy, how would you define an elder? Okay, so for us, um, elder is a concept, is not an ordained minister in our church. And that is the highest office that we have in the Methodist church is elders. So I told you we have two ordinations, deacons and elders. Here we ask Pastor Will Rose of Holy Trinity Lutheran Church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, how he would define an elder. Pastor Will Rose, how would you define an elder? Hmm. Again, that's not necessarily a term we use within the Lutheran Church. I know it's used in in other traditions, uh, perhaps more Baptist uh, traditions, others, um, and then our church. And again, <laughs> the Greek, uh, I think, is uh, Presbyterians. Presbyterians. So, like the Presbyterian Church, is function is, has a called elected uh, elders that help oversee the governance of that particular congregation. And so they're the elders of the congregation. Within our church, we have a church council um, that are elected each year, almost like a board of directors, uh, 12 people that are kind of oversee as our church council. And they, I would think another tradition would probably call them our, our elders, uh, men and women who um, oversee the monthly business of our congregation. They look at the budget. They check in with the ministry teams. They check in with the pastor. They, uh, they're a sounding board of what's happening on Sundays and during the weeks to make sure that we're a healthy, uh, well-balanced congregation. This is Father Jonathan Rizmini of the Holy Trinity Orthodox Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, so, Father Jonathan, how would you define an elder? So we don't have an office that's called elder uh, in the Orthodox Church, but uh, the word presbyter, presbyter in Greek, uh, just it means elder. Um, and so our presbyterate would be our, our, uh, our priests. And so we do have the, the role of elder functionally uh, in a certain sense, in the office of the priesthood. And I'm sure you'll, you'll talk a little bit more about that or ask some questions about that. We might lead into that. But we don't have a specific office called elder uh, in English, but in Greek, the word presbyter, uh, presbyterate, uh, where we get that, is, is, this, is the word that means elder. Um, and then we also have another, it's not a, it's an office per se, but it's, it's more found in the monastic tradition, um, where the, the, the abbot or abbess of the monastery is called the, uh, Yeronda for, for male and Yerondisa for female. And that also kind of means, Yeron means like elderly or elder. And so there's also the elder of a monastery that we all, would also have, but that serves a very particular role. They have a lot of authority, like almost absolute authority just below the bishop, um, in their monastery, but they, they don't have authority outside of the monastery. Hmm. Um, and, uh, and most of them are priests too. So they'll, they'll have the authority yeah. of the priesthood as well. Some of them are bishops and will have that authority as well, but usually retired bishops or something. Um, and so our pres presbyter, uh, the priest, uh, functions as the elder historically, uh, the, every church used to have a bishop because there's only the local church. And then they had deacons that served around the bishop. And then the presbyterate would serve with the bishop. And historically, um, they functioned as preachers, um, not to, you know, yeah. uh, or ministers of the, the sacrament. Um, ultimately, the bishop has the final authority to teach and preach. But historically, the, one of the roles of the presbyter was to be preacher. Uh, and so that's preserved in our office of, of priest. Uh, but it's, I mean, any person with the blessing can uh, can preach in the Orthodox Church. Uh, usually someone who's Orthodox if they're doing it liturgically. Um, uh, sometimes theologians are given the blessing to preach or, you know, local parishioners, they're given, you know, permission to preach if they if they have a topic that they're they've been blessed to talk about. Uh, 
Um, But that's where our role of elder kind of comes in. And, you know, they're the leaders, spiritual leaders of the church. Um, They're generally the the confessor of the church, which means that um, uh, when we do confession in the Orthodox Church, which for us is like spiritual therapy. So someone comes with their their struggles, their pains, their their we call them sins, but where they're falling short or missing the mark, uh, so to speak, uh, in their spiritual lives, in their life of faith. And they come to the priest uh, who is their confessor uh, and uh, and he offers spiritual guidance, kind of like a, a spiritual physician, knowing the medicine that we've kind of established and worked out, uh, worked out that it works over the last 2000 years. Uh, they provide this the science of spiritual medicine uh, for their healing, uh, spiritual healing. Okay. Uh, so that's another role that the, the elder so, in, the, in the office of the priest would, would fill. This is Professor Chris Moreland of the Catholic tradition. How would you define an elder? An elder. Okay. So an elder, we do not have an ordained ministry of elder unless you start getting into specific semantics in Greek, Hebrew, and Latin, where the term presbyteros um, translates as either elder or priest. Um, So we don't have ordained elders. I would say that that is not a term that is used much in the modern church where it does tend to get used in a more informal sense is venerability people who are older experienced and they could be a lay person they could be a priest a deacon a bishop but someone who has a long track record of experience and spiritual um, guidance will often be referred to as an elder. This is much more common. That parlance is much more common in Eastern Catholicism and Eastern Orthodoxy, like the elders of Mount Athos. But where you might hear it in Catholicism would be uh, in a monastery setting or a priory where you would have elder monks and they would be, they are given deference. They're given deference because of their experience. All right. We asked Pastor Gary Atkins how he would define an elder. Pastor Gary Atkins, how would you define an elder? Yeah, you know, that's difficult. Um, and you probably heard this from, from other folks who've commented on it. You know, the, the word seems to be interchangeable with both pastor and bishop in the New Testament. Um, and so there's some argument that when you read elder, you could be talking about a pastor. You could be talking about a bishop. Um, there are other places where it seems like it might be a little more broad than that. Uh, I recently visited my son's church where they were attending in Wichita, Kansas. Their main pastor was called away to another church. Then their associate pastor was called away with him. Then their music pastor left in the same season. And now my son is relocating uh, he and his wife are coming back towards South Carolina. Hey, praise God. I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, now you got me all happy and I lost my train <laughs> of thought. But but what happened was they were kind of left with this really void of leadership. Yeah. Um, and I was so impressed, Josh, because they have a um, an elder group is what they call it. I think it consisted of six individuals, and they kind of take the leadership role of the church. Yeah, so really what stood out there is just everything. Everything stood out. Um, <laughs> a decent amount of our guests said that the original word for elder is the same word we use for bishop or priest now, um, including Father Jonathan of the Greek Orthodox Church, which I think is important to point out because he knows Greek. Not because you know any particular kind of authority, just he knows Greek. So it's true. He does probably knows that. <laughs> Um, but that being stood, that being said, it was interesting that for some, an elder was just a pastor for some elder was like a council. If you had people who came together and helped the pastor make decisions for the church, those were the elders. Um, for some elders are pastors and there should be a council of pastors, 
doing what I said earlier. Um, for some, elders are just someone that we respect and can step up to the pulpit and preach, like uh, what Pastor Gary was talking about. And for some, particularly thinking of um, Kino when he's talking about the AME Zion Church, elder is one of the only two ordinations that they have. So that's, uh, that's a lot of differences there. Yeah. Uh, what stood out to you, TJ? <laughs> Uh, it was definitely that keynote at the AME Zion Church as, you know, ordained elders. I really didn't think there were denominations with ordained elders, period, much less a church who has two ordinations and half of them are elder. Yeah, um, the churches that I know of that rely a lot on elders, I don't know if it's an ordination or not. Um, the home church, obviously, like what Joe was talking about, they have they rely on a council of elders um, or a council of priests, whatever you want to call them. Um, and then the Presbyterian church, which I tried so hard to get them from the PCA. And I think we're going to have an episode soon with a priest from the PCA. They have a pastor and a council of elders that helps him make decisions and helps lead the church. But I don't know if the elders are ordained. So maybe we'll ask him in a future episode. Mm-hmm. So when we asked how the office of an elder functions in our guest churches, here's what they had to say. Now, in our organization, we have like what we call our administrative committee. Uh, in fact, your mother is on that committee. That would serve for us in the sense of like an elder group. But I'll go a step beyond that. When we're in a service, you know, the Bible talks about if any sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church. Now, this could mean if a church had multiple pastors, we have several pastors here on staff. So I could say all the pastoral staff come forward and we could pray for someone. But sometimes, and I know you've been here when I've done this, I'll say people like your father, who's not on staff here, but I consider your father an elder. Okay. Uh, I consider that him that because of his lifestyle, because of his love for God, his love for the people of God, his love for this local church. Um, all of those are beyond question. And so when I look out in our congregation and I say, I want someone coming forward that I have strong faith in, that when they pray, uh, their heart's right, they've been living a, you know, a good life, and, and they love God and they know God. I have good confidence calling someone like your father from the congregation, uh, Brother Ronnie Passmore, who serves also as a deacon, come forward, let's pray for these people. So I believe there's different roles that the elder position takes on. Um, so you put me in an awkward position. Mm-hmm. I have to, I have to ask and clarify for my mom's sake. So when we say elder, you do not mean an old person. <laughs> yeah, you better clear that up. Uh, no, no. Um, but you and I both know the Bible says wisdom should come with gray hair. Doesn't, doesn't always work that way. And yet Timothy was held up to be an example to the congregation. He was a young man, and Paul said, don't let anybody despise your youth. But I do believe uh, there is a position um, where age helps people in maturity level. Uh, Let's say you're a young married man, which you are. Uh, You could probably get good, solid direction from an older man who's been married for years, raised his family. If you had an issue in your life, you could probably feel comfortable if you believe he's a spiritual individual to go to him and get counsel. Why? He's been where you're going. He's been where you're at, and he loves Jesus. Well, those are all good things, and that can afford wisdom. Um, so I don't believe it has a uh, an age tag to it necessarily. Again, This is Joe Day of the Home Church. All right. Uh, How does this office function in your church? Uh, So there are four of us that are each married that are that make up the the elder seats of our. I am. Will not always be an elder. I, it's the idea is that I step away from that. Of but I'm because of the size. It's you know it, as as we grow and as we scale and all of those kinds of things. There's going to be a shift away from me. But 
we are ones that care. This is something that may may raise the eyebrows of some people, but we do consider the fact that each elder is married and part of a greater decision-making process and greater counseling process and all of those kinds of things. Know that that's, you know, women near leadership roles for certain people is a spooky thing. But if you take the full consideration of into it and what that of what effect that has on a person's um, decision making and the way that they consider things and the way that they process things and all that kind of stuff. Um, we are of the opinion that it would be wrong to exclude spouses. So that's a little spin for us in particular that that we think is important. But um but yeah, that's we we don't think that there's any even as we scale, we don't see uh opening up many more seats to the elder seat. While a plurality is important, it can become dilute. This is Keno Kennedy of the AME Zion Church. And so for us, if you if you are an elder, you have the title of the reverend and you can marry, you can um, you can do communion, you can do weddings. Um, anybody can do funerals um, and you can also consecrate the elements for communion. Um, so that that is that is the distinction for us for an elder is it is someone who has the title of reverend. Um, but funny enough, even though you didn't ask this, in order for you to be the el- an elder in our church, you have to first be a deacon. OK. Yeah. Yeah. You first have to be a deacon. We saw that in a couple other churches we've talked to so far, but theirs is uh, you have to be a deacon before you can be a priest. OK, which is the same thing, like like for the Methodist Church, we came out of the the um, Church of England and the Church of England came, came out of the Catholic Church. So we have some similarities in our in our ordination and a hierarchy of uh, of uh, um, clergy. But but to going back to the elder, yeah, you have to. But but then you also have to have served the church six years and have some type of degree or, or um advanced knowledge of the church before you can even be ordained. So it ain't, it ain't just, I think I'm ready to preach. No, you got to spend six years and you got to go through conference studies and possibly seminary before you be ordained an elder. So are you an elder at your church then? I, I am. Wow. You don't look old at all. No, no. I appreciate <laughs> that. <laughs> and what stood out to me really about those clips is how different it is uh, that, you know, these churches generally all have someone performing the duties of an elder and almost none of them are called an elder. Uh, they might be, you know, called elder, you know, sometimes by like the older school people in their church. Uh, but, you know, the home church has a huge reliance on elders and, you know, the Amy Zahn church. Again, every church has an elder, but just wildly different between denominations here. Yeah. Yeah. One thing, and I think this is important to point out because I don't know if everybody remembers this, but when we talked about bishops with the Reverend Kino, bishops are not ordained in the Amy Zion church. It's not an ordained position. So all of the bishops are elders because elder is the ordination. So you get ordained as a deacon, and then you can be ordained as an elder. That's it. If you become a bishop, it's not another level of ordination. It's just you're an elder who is a bishop. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought that was really interesting. Um, I also thought it was interesting how in the AME Zion Church, they're, they just everybody's called reverend. Whether you're a deacon, an elder, a bishop, you're reverend. Mm-hmm. And we don't use these. They're just to help us understand how it's structured. I thought that was really interesting. Um, obviously, I think it's really interesting how elders work in the home church and how they kind of self-govern together, um, even though there is still structure, as Joe points out. And uh, 
Yeah, the function is just really interesting. Um, I grew up in Pastor Gary's church, same denomination TJ grew up in. And I don't know if we ever called someone elder, but we did kind of have this understanding, like what he was talking about, like that my dad would preach sometimes because, you know, he was respected and he was ordained minister because there's only ordination. There isn't levels of ordination in that denomination as a Pentecostal denomination. And same thing, like we would have, you know, maybe you would have a church board who would make the financial decisions and stuff for the church and help make those decisions. But you wouldn't call them elders. You just you, you kind of knew who they were. Mm-hmm. Was that sort of your experience too with that, DJ? Yeah, they're on the board. Grandma and grandpa, they're grandma and grandpa. What I don't know if you knew, part of what inspired me to do this series, which is why this is kind of ironic, is how elders function at the Presbyterian Church. Mm, um, I there there is a an author pastor that I really like. He's a pastor Kevin DeYoung. And he preaches at a Presbyterian church here in Charlotte. I didn't really care that much about going to hear him, but I said, hey, let's go hear him when I was going to propose to my wife, because I need an excuse for why we were going to be dressed up and not somewhere that we're usually at. And that was my excuse was we're going to go see him. He didn't preach the day that I went. He wasn't there. (laughs) He was visiting another church. It was hilarious. But what stood out to me was they had four or five people in chairs on the stage that would occasionally stand up and do stuff. And they were like help leading the service. And it just baffled me. I was like, what is going on? <laughs> what are these four dudes doing up there? And uh, they were the elders. And that was just part of how that church was ran. And I was like, huh, wow. For someone who's never been to that kind of church before, that was really foreign. And uh, hopefully this helps someone else, you know, be able to understand a little bit that these offices look different at different churches and maybe it'll help you understand what's going on at these churches. Maybe, hopefully that's why we do this series. Um, yeah. Have you ever seen an elder of another tradition or anything? Or is this all new to you? I don't think I've ever met an elder of another tradition, but we kind of do that at our church. In Greer, you know, we'll have usually the singers are up on stage, which is normal. That's not what I'm talking about. Yeah. But then usually one of them will say something. Might have a special song. You know, lead service. Someone else will preach or, you know, give a little message uh, before the main message. But we kind of do that. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Yeah. Uh, So next we ask our guests how they could best relate to elders of other traditions. And here are those clips. Right. So can you respect an elder from another denomination and would you expect the same? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I, I think that there is something special to um, people that are able and eligible to be called into the elder role of a church because it insinuates a lot of things about the character of those people if they are a biblically accurate and a good at being an elder. Awesome. And could you respect the authority of an elder from another denomination? Sure. Uh, Again, I think it would be more context for their particular congregation, uh, them being elected elder of uh, University Presbyterian Church right down the road from me. uh, Then if they're elected elder, I don't necessarily see them coming to my church and overlooking our budget and going, huh, you have a misplaced (laughs) line item here of how you do that. But but if they're an elder of another, I would see them as someone who is in leadership within their congregation and definitely respect that. Awesome. Interesting. <laughs> All right. So can you respect the authority of an elder from someone of another denomination? And do you expect people from other denominations to expect to respect your elders? Yeah. So so for us, we don't go around calling everybody elders except for, oh, I forgot to point this out. We have um, 
And you remember I told you how the bishop has like two hundred something churches that he has to be responsible for. So there, yeah. there's a, there's a, there's an office that we call presiding elders um, in the in the United Methodist Church. They're called superintendents, district superintendents. I don't know if you're familiar with that, um, but they they are responsible for helping the churches on a on a district level to govern those. And so we do have elders, but we call we call them presiding elders. But if you if you are an ordained elder in our church, more like we just call you reverend. Okay, yeah, so there's like elder, then presiding elder, uh, then bishop. Right, right. But 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 for us, we don't we don't say <laughs> elder Kino or uh, elder Joshua. No, it's just reverend. For us, we just we just use the title reverend. Yeah. Would you say there's a hierarchical system? in the AME Zion church or is it oh, definitely <laughs> definitely <laughs> it's, yeah definitely it's, it's bishops presiding elders pastors elders deacons local preachers that's the hierarchy that is the hierarchy how how do you answer um, the criticism some people put out there of it's the church and everyone should only be answering to Jesus you know, I, I hear that a lot, especially from like home church groups and stuff. Wait, they, they, they <laughs> wait, wait, wait. They say that you, the church should only answer to Jesus. Everyone's only answering to Jesus. What, what, what is Jesus? What is Jesus saying though? Let me turn my phone off. What, if we're only answering to Jesus, then, then, then who's calling him up and asking him what he's saying? Or are we using what Jesus said from the scriptures to justify that notion because the reason I bring it up because if we just go by that then then you're only taking the gospel and nothing that Paul does but Paul Paul writing actually enhances our standing understanding of Christ and ministry so I don't get it I'm sorry <laughs> I don't get it I don't get it I don't but but The, let me say this. This, this. this is this is what I really wanted to get into is that being ordained in the church, it doesn't matter what your title or office is. That means that that the church recognizes and affirms the call in your life. And and having your ordination from a church means that you that church believes what you said about your calling and also that your calling is true to that church. And I and I have a problem with 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 folks like uh, what's his name, Lil Bootsy. Lil Bootsy getting ordained to 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 marry folks in the Universal Church. I have a problem with that. I mean, I understand that that's 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 a utility, but there's no training with that, that comes with that. And so I, I actually appreciate my denomination making folks wait six years before you can be ordained an elder in our church. And sometimes folks can't can't handle that. And I get it, um, but but that that that's the order, being ordained again. Going back to what I was saying earlier, is just an, the church affirming your call, and they're saying that this is what you called to do, and we affirm that, and we believe in you. Yeah, because otherwise, anyone could just put their ear to a seashell and say, "God told me to get for you to give me a hundred dollars." Correct. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. Um, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm jumping around a little bit because I want to make sure I ask some certain things. Okay. Uh, All right. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to say about the church offices in the home church? Yeah, I think when it comes to home church, there's... A misconception that it's just a bunch of people that are saying, I want spirituality, but I don't want God. I want spirituality, but I don't want the rule. Things like that. There is a growing sentiment of people that aren't rejecting God, aren't rejecting rules, aren't rejecting people. They're rejecting tradition. They're rejecting the, the emphasis on denominational tradition that oftentimes is taught before scripture is taught. So half of what I want to say is that to my brothers and sisters who are part of the system, 
the denominational system, even non-denominational, Sunday morning, all of those kinds of things. The people who don't do it that exact way and have decided to go more the route of the Book of Acts than the Sunday morning model, I ask that you have an open mind within the confines and, and allow scripture to be your guide as far as whether or not you deem it um, biblically accurate or not. If if you are listening and you happen to also be a part of the home church movement, um, respect the the authority of the other teachers. Respect the the position of the other leaders that are out there within the various systems and the various denominations. Other churches. It's that we are all part of the same team have the same goal of mine a little bit different All right, we are the whole church awesome awesome um yeah listening listening to that again um a lot stood out to me uh teacher teacher what stood out most to you of how our guests said that they could better relate to elders of other traditions. I think it was an interesting question uh, because, you know, like us, most of them don't really know what the elders of other traditions do. And they were all kind of, you know, in the same vein of, well, if their church trusts them enough to call them an elder, so will I. Yeah, yeah. And of course, there's always those caveats of assuming that we know what the church believes, we know what they believe, you know, that they're not preaching heresy, that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's a really fascinating question when you don't have a framework, right? Uh, when you're talking about how can I relate to a pastor of another tradition, I know what a pastor is. I can ask the pastor of another tradition for advice, anything like that. I'm comfortable with that. How do I talk to an elder of another tradition? Ah, it's really hard to know what an elder is, <laughs> you know, like if it's Kino's tradition, I now know that an elder is a pastor. So I'll relate to him like a pastor of Joe's tradition. I know the home church, everybody's kind of equals. So that's easy. Presbyterians. I still haven't talked to one of them. Still not entirely sure what an elder does. Seems like it's sort of just like someone who was on the um, church board. So I assume I would just address them as someone who understands what's going on in the church from that perspective. But it's really, yeah, it's hard to answer that. Uh, TJ, how would you relate to someone who referred to themselves as an elder? Uh, I treat everyone the same way. So, yeah, that's pretty true. Yeah. Yeah. There's only yeah. one title. They make some of these me. interviews a lot easier because we have interviewed people where I'm like starstruck, where I'm like, Michael Heiser, he's so cool. And TJ's like, hello, what's up? <laughs> Oh, Mike, how you doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, TJ uh, brings us all down to earth by treating us all as equals. Maybe someone can learn from that. I don't know. But uh, another thing we did, we asked Sister Rose, what category nuns and monks, uh, what they call the consecrated peoples, how they would fall into the offices? What office would a nun or a monk be considered? Um, we wanted to show you that clip and... It's very similar to what Pastor Gary was describing elders as, right? Nunks and monks are people that we respect and trust, that have a special calling, a special mission, but they're not necessarily ordained. So we, we, we mentioned consecrated peoples, both monks and nuns. Um, functionally, what service do consecrated people do? Okay. Is it more like just the same service as a deacon or? No, it's very different from a deacon. Okay, so um, within con the umbrella of consecrated life, all right, we have hermits and we have consecrated virgins. And we, as I mentioned, we have monks and nuns who are monastic or contemplative. And so their primary vocation is to pray for the world. That's what they do. They do other things in between, but their main vocation is that of prayer and contemplation. There are religious men and women who are apostolic, 
who are out among in the world. There are edu- there are teaching orders, there are nursing orders, there are um, orders who dedicate themselves to the poor and the mar- marginalized, like for example, the Franciscans, all right? Um, so their mission, like for instance, my community, um, is to make Jesus Christ known and loved. You know, that's, that is our mission. We carry small lamps in the world to make Jesus Christ known and loved. And we do that as educators. Okay. You know, as I said, there, there are other, we have a particular charism and a particular mission, you know, within the church, but we're not part of the hierarchy. And I think probably that's what people get confused. Religious were never part of the hierarchy since the desert mothers and fathers in the first century. Um, we have more of a prophetic role within the church. Uh, we have a role of prayer for the church and service in the church. Then we have a hierarchy, which is how we, that we, we govern the church, if you will. And in that hierarchy, we have deacons and priests and bishops and cardinals and then the Holy Father, the bishop, the the, the um, Pope. Do you believe everyone has a particular calling or mission, like Sister Rose says, consecrated people have, or is this only for those especially called? Do you think? I think everyone has a calling. Um, but I, th- I think, you know, I think it's different. You know, I think it's one thing to say I'm especially called to be a light and a witness at Harris Teeter as a manager. Hey, that's just equal calling as anything else. Awesome. Great stuff. But I do think it is should be treated different when someone's calling is to completely dedicate themselves to God, even though they know they'll never be ordained. But they're just dedicating their life to studying it. I mean, I feel like that's a different thing. And some of their missions are not just to study, right? Sometimes um, it's to go out in the world, to do good service, to do different things. Um, Sister Rose describes what her group does and what their mission is. And the first episode she's on, that'll be down below in the show notes. I'll drop a link to that for you guys. But I think it's different. Um, One thing I do want to say, I think that... Having consecrated people like the Catholic Church and Orthodox Church and some of the other churches have that I think we miss something for not having is we lose this. There's this idea in the Bible that Paul talks about how some people were called to never be married. They were called to singleness so that they could focus more on the mission of God like that is in the Bible. You know, whether you call them monk or nun or not, that's in the Bible. And I feel like by not having that as an official thing in some churches, sometimes we lose sight of that and we treat everyone as though they were called to be married. Everyone needs to be married. I mean, that's that's just not necessarily true. And I think we lose some sight of that. What do you think, DJ? I think everyone has callings and you can be called to literally anything. So. Can I be called to playing Dark Souls? Uh, Probably. I don't think you are. Goals. Ah. Uh, is it because I'm bad at it? Yeah. Ah. Uh, maybe I'm called to Kingdom Hearts. I'm better at it. Maybe. Maybe you're called to Kingdom Hearts for the Lord. Yeah. In this episode, I got to go play. Oh, man. So, TJ, then, uh, what action do you think we could do that would help us better maintain unity concerning elders? Is there anything we can do? It really depends on your denomination. Uh, If you have an established elder, uh, reach out to them. Talk with them. Uh, If you know elders from other churches, as I'm sure some of you do, uh, reach out to them. Tell them about your experience learning and asking more questions. And maybe search yourself. See if you feel like you're being called to be an elder. Which leads me to an idea. If you are an elder or you know someone who is an elder or even if it's not an official elder, someone who's a member of the church board or someone who is just more elevated in the church, talk to them about church unity. Talk to them about how you want your church to reach out to other churches, work together in the community and to have that source of unity. 
you know, having people who have a say in the direction of the church understand the importance of unity is one of the biggest steps to seeing it happen. Mm -hmm. And what would the ramifications be in the world if we all did that, those things? Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of things. Um, (laughs) Well, if you if you do, as TJ said, I think you just become better at life just in general. But in this particular case, you know, as if you're seeking to learn, you're seeking to talk to people about what you've learned. I think the spread of information is the best combatant of misinformation. And uh, I think a lot of the fact that we don't have unity just comes down to people misunderstanding one another. So I think unity will happen as you do that. Um, And as you know, as you talk to people who are on the church board or elders, or if you are one of those and you're reaching out, trying to steer the direction in the steer the direction of the church towards unity with other churches, it's going to happen. It'll probably take a while because, you know, even if it's two or three people of a board of six, you know, you have to win the other ones over. It starts somewhere, but that is how you get to unity. Uh, What do you think, TJ? Yeah. I mean, I think that's right. Usually our our thoughts like this aren't very conflicting. Yeah. (laughs) That's that's pretty true. Mm -hmm. But this is still the whole church podcast. Uh, which means before we start our outro, we'd like to do our God Moment segment. And if you haven't been with us before, weird place to start. But <laughs> it's a moment where we just like to share what God's been up to in our life recently, uh, whether that be a blessing, a challenge, a moment of worship, anything like that. And I always make Josh go first. You know, that he does. So this is a plug for a future episode. Fun times. Sister Rose asked me to read a book with her that we could talk about on the show. It's the making of biblical womanhood. I'm blanking on the author. If you look it up, you'll probably find it. And man, it is a little challenging. It's, um, it's about how some of the church has actually steered away from empowering women where we used to do a better job at that. And, uh, fascinating yeah right and uh for my god moment uh, i just had it in my head a second ago and it ran away anyway it's back uh so i was out with a couple of friends the other night and we saw a guy sitting outside of a restaurant uh associated with saint baldrick's foundation Hmm. uh, which for those of you who don't know is as far as i'm aware an organization that shaves heads for cancer research they might do other things, but I know they shave heads for cancer research. <laughs> and uh, I saw a lot of people shaving their heads, donating to a good cause. And then me and my two friends got our heads shaved and donated to a good cause, which, you know. Uh, awfully charitable of all those strangers. You know, maybe God was there. You know, that's all I'm saying. Hmm. But uh, also, he is kind enough to make me not look like a completely deranged psychopath when bald. For those who just want to imagine it, I do have a large scar on the top of my head from brain surgery, and I am balding. So eventually, that will be seen. Also... TJ's wearing an eye patch and a leather suit and calling himself Nick Fury now. Please address him as such. Please. Anyway, if you enjoyed this episode, please consider sharing it with a friend or an enemy. Uh, You always have that choice, or you could share it with a cousin. We're not picky. Uh, Just share it with at least one person. Uh, That would help us a lot. Yeah, that's true. Please share. Also, if you want to hear TJ and I talk about some geeky stuff, recently we talked about... um, Dark Souls, the games, and Elden Ring. Uh, if you want to hear us talk about video games, comic books, that sort of stuff, he's about to talk about Green Lantern over there. Check out Systematic Geekology wherever you're listening now, or go to systematicgeekology.org. 
you can hit the top. It has a, a little drop down that says host. You can click on me or TJ, see all the episodes we've done where we talk about geeky stuff and how it relates to the church. Fun stuff. Right. And thank you for listening to the whole church podcast. Tune back in next week for part seven of our church offices series, where we will discuss the office of the evangelist. Uh, following that, we will discuss the role of lay people in the church. And after we complete the series, we'll take a two week break before turning to our normal format. And then at the end of season one, Francis Chan will be joining us. Yeah. Whether he knows it or not, you'll be here, Francis. Talking to you. That's right. I'm assuming he's listening. That's right. Thank you again for listening to the Whole Church Podcast. If you would like to support this podcast, then please consider going over to patreon.com forward slash the Whole Church Podcast and donating $3 a month. Come back again next week for part seven, where we discussed the office of the evangelist.